And welcome to another long-awaited episode of Polar FC. Uh, unfortunately, my name is not Jacob Berg. Jacob was uh, unable to make it to the podcast this week, but the rest of the crew is still here. I'm Chris Akonis, Kaor Palan, and Evando Thompson uh, joining us here. And gentlemen, a lot to get to here, but first and foremost, the Premier League is back. Just finished up our first match week of the season. Um, you know, Plenty of action to get to, and we're going to break it down uh, a, a little bit more in depth. I got to start with Manchester City, though. Losing their opening game on the road against Tottenham, 1-0. And honestly, I don't think 1-0 really did the game justice in terms of how Manchester City played. In the beginning of the game, it, it wasn't too bad because they were controlling the heart of the midfield. They had the bulk of the possession, I would say, for the first half hour or so especially. Uh, and Tottenham got opportunities on the counter, but you could tell City were largely in control of the game, but they just couldn't string together those passes needed to really get those good opportunities in the final third. I, I think there were maybe only like two or three times the entire game where City looked like they were capable of just, you know, getting a goal on a shot. The shots that they did have were either well off the mark or just, you know, not a great look. Um, and it, it just, and it got more frustrating as the game went on because Tottenham started to take control of the midfield too. And then by like the 60th minute, they were just running the show. And it just, it was just frustrating to watch as a city fan. I feel like, I mean, it's way too early to overreact. It's literally only the first game of the season, but it, it just looked like, I don't know. It just looked like they are capable of playing a lot better than they did against Tottenham. And, you know, it was kind of a disappointing way to start the season if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Man City's almost gotten uh, the title of the most expensive club in the Prem um, right now for a reason. And, you know, they've spent a lot of money acquiring, especially Jack Grealish this summer uh, and making their team into what many would consider, you know, almost a lock for, for top two, if not for the first place in the Prem with the talent that they have on their team. Uh, and, you know, talks advancing with Harry Kane prior to this game kind of, um, put a chip on their shoulder to kind of, you know, almost put on a display for Harry Kane and say like, okay, we're the better team. We're probably going to beat your team. And, you know, that'll be our case for you to come play for us and join a winning side. On the other hand, you have Tottenham who decided right before the match that, no, we're actually going to sit out the guy that you want. And with the mentality of that, we're going to beat you. Uh, and that's exactly what, Tottenham did in the match and that's exactly I think the type of play that they brought was not only competitive but it, it, it felt like they were just there to prove a point in saying that yes we're still a team without our best striker um, and I feel like for you know at least the first 45 minutes to, to at least 50 minutes Manchester City was pretty much in control of that game until um you know, Sun had hit that beautiful goal and, and kind of turned the tide and blow the roof off of that place. Now that fans are back in the stadium, uh, that kind of flipped the switch for the entire game. And after that, uh, City just couldn't, you know, kind of get a grip for it. And um, like you mentioned, Chris, they're, you know, they're a good team. They're not, it's not like they're a bad team. They should have gotten this win. And um for some reason, they just played like it was out of their reach this whole time, and and it, it bit them in the back um, from a goal that's probably going to be talked about for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and you know, it just 
the thing about it is I'm not even necessarily so mad that they lost per se, because look, people can talk about, oh, this is by far the best team in the Premier League whatsoever. Um, frankly, I think it's a two horse race between City and Chelsea in the end. Um, and then a couple other teams that might contend. But the fact remains, you know, on any given day, any Premier League team can beat any other one because it's it's such a tough league to play in top to bottom. Uh, so I'm not necessarily mad that they lost to Tottenham. If they lost to Tottenham, but they had like a lot of creative looks and, um, you know, keeper played out of his mind, just couldn't get the right break. I could live with that. I wouldn't I wouldn't be coming in here all grumpy if that were the case. But they just looked, especially in the final third, they just looked like they were completely out of ideas. Um, like they were just relying on uh, Jack Realish to like single-handedly will them to victory, which doesn't sound like a recipe for success long-term. Uh, and, and it just, it was kind of brutal to watch. Like it felt like almost like a chore to watch. And that's very rare that you say that about Manchester City, uh, yeah. especially under Pep Guardiola. They've just been, you know, loaded with talent and you know usually getting results without too many problems so obviously way too early to panic i'm not overreacting by any means i'm still pretty confident about what this team can do this season but not the way you want to start i i think that lives up to the motto of you know money can't buy you happiness because uh a, a lot of man city fans are trying to search for that happiness and get a a comfortable you know first place eventually that champions league trophy and uh um i think it's it's a sign, like you said, um, any Premier League team can beat anybody else. And it's more about how the team gels together rather than who you put on there with what money you have. Right. And I think, you know, new signings like, I mean, Grealish was like the big signing so far. If Harry Kane comes, I hope he's not making a decision based on one game one way or the other because it's such a small sample size. I don't think he will. Um, but you know, it, it, you can have all the talent in the world. It takes time for players to mesh and players sort of feel each other out. I think that's sort of the stage that Manchester city are at, at the moment. Um, uh, so like I said, not really panicking yet, but it's kind of frustrating to see them, uh, get off on the wrong foot, uh, as far as this, this season is concerned. And I think for what it's worth, while we, if I can momentarily get off the premier league, I think PSG might, you know, stumble out of the gates a little bit too, as good of a starting 11 as they now have with, was it five new signings in the starting 11, including Messi, but not, he's by no means the only one, um, you know, they might stumble a little bit out of the gate, but uh, that doesn't change the fact that I think that they are one of, if not the favorites to win the champions league this year. So we're in that weird early stage, but 38 games in a season, not going to stress out, pull my hair out uh, over this one. So, you know, that's sort of where I stand about this, but I'm going to turn this over to uh, Vandy now. Because I, I want to talk about that Chelsea win against uh, Crystal Palace. I didn't get a chance to watch that much of it. Okay, or I don't know about you. So, Vandy, just can give us uh, your version of you know what what you thought happened. Like, what did you like out of Chelsea? Yeah, you know. I think the thing that impresses me most about our team is that we don't rely on one player. That's a scary thing. Um, I don't know if there's any fantasy Premier League fans out here who we're looking for some nuggets or some some pickups for for game week two but uh Chalaba scoring scoring his uh first senior goal that was that was that was pretty cool to watch but what I'm trying to get at is that if you're someone who's who's watching the game for from a fantasy perspective you don't know who's gonna score for us 
because we have so many interchangeable pieces and so many different guys interlocking or intertwining that makes us a really dangerous team. And this was what I was saying going into the Champions League final is that Chelsea's dangerous because they have so many skilled players and so many skilled parts, and there's no real guy that stands out. So from a, a fantasy perspective, there's there's nobody that you can key on that that you gonna that you know is gonna play well. Like Alonso scored, but he can also get an assist. Chilwell can also cross something in for an assist. Uh, Pulisic scored, and Pulis and everybody was talking about how good Mason Mount was gonna be, and Havers and Werner would have bounced back. But uh, it, it just shows we're strong in the midfield. We're strong in defense. Uh, we're getting better every game in goal, and I think. The Lukaku signing is only going to aid this team because it, it, it's just so many. It's just it's just such a good like group of guys. Um, I can't I can't think back to to a team that that won the Prem. Maybe Leicester, I guess, but they still had Vardy and they still had uh, um, back then Mares leading the team. But if this Chelsea team wins, I'm pretty sure they're there may be like three, four guys with, with eight goals apiece and there won't be a definite player to lead the way. And I think that's the scary part about this Chelsea team is that we're young, we don't have a best player and on any night, on any given game, you don't know who the man of the match will be. Um, and, 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 and that's what I'm looking most forward to, just watching everybody grow and uh, just everybody perform when they're called upon. I think that's that's sort of the identity that um, was kind of formed over the last year, especially after their performance in the Champions League, right? Um, a bunch of young guys playing together, thriving at the sport that they're playing. They're having fun together, but they were missing that, you know, one person who kind of um, was the, the leader in the team, the one who's, you know, kind of experienced in there. Um, many would say, like, Conte was sort of fitting into that role, but you don't really have that missing piece. And I think you know, acquiring Lukaku is probably the best thing that they could have done uh, because now all these young guys, you know, some who were doing well last year and some who weren't like Timo Werner. I know he uh, had a hard time kind of, you know, fitting right into um, the plan that Thomas Tuchel had for him to, you know, be successful at um, Chelsea. But now if some of that pressure is off of him and onto the shoulders of Lukaku, who we know has succeeded almost everywhere he's gone or at least had an impact and, help that everybody else around him can only be beneficial to this young team. Um, and, you know, like Vanny mentioned, it's, it's almost in a sense that this team has the potential to be like one of the greatest of all time. And um, it, it, at this point, it's not even that the pressure is on them. It's just that the eyes are on them. And I think they're almost eager to kind of prove people that, yes, we're capable of doing this and, and, you know, being one of the greats. If anything, this Chelsea team won the, the Champions League too early. And that's what's scary. Like, the fact that we were able to make it that far, she, yeah, sure, we, we had a favorable draw, but you still have to win, go out there and win the matches. So the fact that we were able to, to already peak and win the, the, the top of the top, it really bodes well for the, for the future. I um, mean, it goes back to what you're saying, Kayer. We really don't have a, a captain or a, a leader of the team. Well, for many years, uh, that was Cahill um, on the back line, but obviously those are those are past days. And then the armband went over to Hazard for a little bit, and then he went on. So uh, maybe Mount could be that guy, but Mount again, Mason Mount's only twenty three. 
Like he's he we you, you're looking to a 23 year old to wear your captain armband. Um, I guess Cesar Aspilicueta with with the caps that he has with our team, he he took over that role. Um, but uh, it, it, yeah, man, the the Lukaku signing is only gonna make this team better. And he's not a selfish striker. He's not a selfish center forward who who wants the ball, give the ball to give the ball to me. I'm looking for the ball. Um, and he, he he's the he's that hold up type for. He waits for his his wings to come in front of him um, and then make a decisive decision. Uh, just when when you whip in those corner crosses, that's where he's going to be key. Just that guy on the attacking third to finish off a nice counter attack or finish off good midfield play. And and that's that's somebody that we do need. We were lacking in the attacking uh, third a little bit with Werner kind of playing that role and then Havertz as a false nine. But now that we have a definitive nine, we're only going to be that much more dangerous. I had a quick question for you, Vandy. There was news, I uh, think, about almost a, a, a day ago that uh, Tammy Abrams going to uh, Roma and then Chelsea's also put a 80 pound, 80 million pound buyback on him. So you have Lukaku coming in and one of your youngest strikers going out. Do you think that um, is probably a good, I'm, I think potentially that's a pretty good move. You're almost getting money back for what you paid for Lukaku. Um, how do you think that kind of impacts the depth on the team? Cause I know, you know, last year they even if like one guy wasn't doing good, they can put in somebody else who was kind of not in the prime yet, but again, almost getting up to that standard. I don't know, man. It kind of sucks because I feel like Chelsea is lone FC when it comes to some people. Like if you look at Billy Gilmore, he's with Norwich now. He's just starting there. Uh, I don't want it the same thing to happen to Chalaba. We saw what happened to Michi Basuai. Like whenever he, Michi Basuai played for us, it's almost he scored every time. He come in with like twenty minutes in, bang in a goal. Super sub, yeah. Yeah, just, he, he was just he, he was just that guy. He reminds you of David Origi for Liverpool. Kind of, he, he just always plays well when given the opportunity. Um, and it sucks because there's so many good guys that are <laughs> tied to Chelsea somehow through loans. That's the same thing that happened. That we gave away Mo Salah, and it's just like, what the fuck? We gave away Kevin De Bruyne. It's like, damn, Lukaku was with us. If you look at Chelsea, like a former 11 of Chelsea players, it's ridiculous. But the th- the back to your point, though, I think in Tammy's case, I would just let him walk, to be honest. Uh, I feel like by the time he develops, there'll be another good player that could either be as, be- as good as him or just replace him for cheaper. Uh, the 80 million buyback, yeah, it's, re- it's a good return on your investment. But at the same time, I don't think we necessarily needed him. And it's good for his growth to be able to go to a team where he's actually wanted and, and, and will get the minutes. My follow-up question to that is, how soon can we expect the Christian Pulisic uh, statue to be built outside of Stamford Bridge? Is that like coming up this year or, you know? <laughs> I think with, with Pulisic, it's not about how he plays. It's about whether his coach or whether the, what, whoever his manager, Tuchel should be here for a while. So who, Whoever is at the helm, they just have to make that decision. Like, all right, we're going to start to give him regular minutes. We're not going to be on the fence of is he a super sub or like start him every game. He deserves to be out there. Even in the Champions League, like his his numbers and his effectiveness on the pitch was very good. Um, it's just that sometimes they decide not to play him in, in games that I just don't understand. Uh, maybe yeah, it's because we have so much depth, but now is the time to really 
hone in on his skills. He's he's at the cusp of that starting of his prime. You can you can see him getting used to the prem, getting used to the physicality. Because coming from German football, everybody always says that it's like Swiss cheese defense. Um, it's easier to score, and it probably is. But now, after having that year under his belt, after getting the injuries past him, playing in the Champions League, I think he's ready. He's ready to get that that prime position. And, and who knows, man. Uh, Maybe not, maybe not a statue next year, but maybe a statue in two years. <laughs> after it's going to be after uh, the U.S. makes it pretty big in the in the World Cup. Hey, maybe they'll even win it at home. Uh, and you know, Chris, then we can go visit the statue ourselves, and and you can pose next to it. I'll take your picture. You know, we'll put it up as our, our podcast profile picture, and then uh, call it a day. You know, this is how we'll make you Instagram famous, Chris. And then, uh, <laughs> then we just make a replica and put it uh, put it outside, like somewhere in Washington D.C. when uh, the United States wins the World Cup next December. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but see, and coming from your like that standpoint, I don't know as a, from a manager's perspective, like what else do you want to see from him to not start him, right? Yeah. You know, not even being a Chelsea fan. Whenever I see Pulisic play, he's just exciting to watch, and and if that's some if if that's the energy he brings, you know, to the fans. Like, how does the, the manager feel when he puts in somebody who goes in there and scores or at least helps the team score and, and win the match? What else do you want? Yeah, but it's also just a case of, like, he's on a team that's ridiculously talented. Like, Christian Pulisic is an automatic starter on almost every other team in the Premier League or the Bundesliga or, you know, pick your league. Um, but Chelsea is a difficult spot. Like you always have to play at a high level if there is any drop off. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to start. You know, um, that's clearly a point of contention among the fan base. But my point is, like in almost any other team, he wouldn't have to worry about that. But because Chelsea is such a, a, a difficult team to break into, you know, he's always got to be looking over his shoulder. And you know, you know, you can make the case that on the one hand, you know, if he's not getting regular minutes, there are stretches where he's either coming off the bench late in the game or not playing for a couple of games that could disrupt his rhythm. And, and that's valid. But you can also make the case that having that constant competition is probably making him a better player in the long run. So you can kind of see it cut either ways. But the fact that he's in a uniquely challenging position and the fact that he's been able to earn as many minutes as he has, I think is indicative of the quality of the player that he is. Um, so I, I think he's gonna, he's gonna find his footing there. Um, and you know, I, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to, you know, one world cup qualifiers start in like three weeks, uh, USA, Canada in Nashville, um, Labor Day weekend. That's going to be fun to watch. Um, and then, you know, just a full slate going through and then the world cup next winter. So, um, you know, I'm really excited to see the U S back out in action, uh, this fall and this winter and, you know, just sort of seeing where they go from there. It's just crazy because I was thinking like, damn, Ruben Lanzas-Chica is finally back in a Chelsea shirt and he's just fighting for minutes again. Ross Barkley, who was a, a key piece of Everton for many years, is not even is not even a regular piece. Like where he's he's one of those guys. OK, is he going to be amongst the bench bench replacements? Is he, is he going to be amongst the subs? So it's just. Man, this Chelsea team is just so deep with players like Zappa Costa. When he first came to us, he was really good. He doesn't even play. Ethan Ampadu had a decent run. And Emerson Palmieri played heavy minutes in the Euros. It's not even a part of our, you know, consistent rotation. It's just so hard at every level to fight for minutes within this team. And it's right, Chris, you're right on the nose with that. You have to 
be on your P's and Q's. You can't slip up. Keppa is ready to take Mendy's minutes if Mendy has a bad couple games, you know what I'm saying? And we paid good money for Keppa, and he's not even starting in goal for us. So that shows you at every level, this Chelsea team is incredibly deep, and it only bodes well for the future because you're just going to be pushing the guy next to you to be better. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that the Amer- the United States has is in a unique position because now their player development has gotten to a point where it's not like how it was in like 2010, 2015, where you had a couple guys that can make it at the Premier League level. Like Tim Howard was obviously a mainstay in goal for many, many years at Everton and even a little bit at Manchester United. Um, Clint Dempsey with Fulham and then later with Tottenham. Uh, Landon Donovan played most of his career in MLS, but when he played in Everton, he he showed he was a Premier League caliber player. Um, there were a couple of guys like that, but then there was a bit of a drop-off once you got away from the core. And you could also say Michael Bradley at Roma while we're at it. Um, now we've reached a point where it's become almost, I don't want to say normal, but a lot more commonplace to see Americans not just playing for, but being key parts of top clubs. You look at Pulisic at Chelsea, Weston McKenney over at Juventus, uh, Serginio Dest at Barcelona, um, you know, not as big of a club, but still a pretty big club. Like Borussia Dortmund has uh, Giovanni Reina, uh, Tyler Adams at uh, RB Leipzig. You know, these are big, big clubs uh, that Americans are not just, you know, being on the roster and being named to the 18, but like they're key parts in many cases of those teams. So I think it's indicative of the quality of the United States national team. Also the fact that our Nations League roster, which was our best roster with the Gold Cup being, you know, kind of like a, a tryout sort of for, uh, World Cup qualifiers. Um, the average age for that team was like 23 years old, which is a full mm-hmm. World Cup cycle younger than everyone else. So I think that, you know, I'm excited for the World Cup next year. Now, I apologize. I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but this makes me really excited. So I am a bit excited for the World Cup next year. But I think when we're going to see the United States really shine on the international stage, uh, 2026 World Cup, not only is it going to be hosted in the United States, but uh, the Pulisic, the Adams, the McKenney's, uh, and the, the generation coming up behind them, they're going to be coming into their prime. And I think they'll mm-hmm. play together for several years. Um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I think we're on the verge of the United States really making a name for itself on the world stage. And, you know, I, for one, am pretty excited about it. Yeah, I think the uh, um, United States men's national team is ranked in the top 10 uh, for the first time in, like, don't know what, what exactly the years was, but it was a really long time. In a while. I want yeah. to say it was 2006. We were, and the thing is, I don't like using the FIFA ranking. Oh, the FIFA rankings are kind of important because they use it to mm-hmm. set up the draw for the World Cup. I think it's like if you're in the top seven, you get in the top like rank seedings, which gets you an easier group. So it's important in that respect, but it's not the most accurate way to rank the teams. Because um, the United States was ranked fourth in the world in 2006 and they crashed out of the group stage. Um, that, but I think the ratings, I don't know if you've heard of these, uh, K or, or Vandy, yeah. the ELO ratings, there's the world football ELO ratings where it's like they update them after every game and they're a bit more representative. The United States are, I don't have them in front of me right now, but I want to say they're like 17th in that, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's still pretty good. And, and they've jumped like 25 spots in the last year, which just shows you the progress they've made since they missed the last world cup. Um, right. and it's a bit more indicative of where they are. I think. Their potential is, you know, top 10 for sure. And I think that if they have a strong showing the next year or two and players continue to develop, I don't see why not. 
Um, and one final point I'll make, and then, you know, if you guys have anything else you want to throw in, um, I'm a lot more confident in Greg Berhalter as a manager than I was a year ago. I think he's coming to his own. Yep. I think he's making adjustments. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it turns out that he's not the coach for us, but I feel a lot more confident that he is now than I did uh, when he first took over for sure. Yeah. The ELO rating you mentioned, um, the one year changes at the U S has climbed 20 spots. So a year ago they were 37 yeah. uh, and right now they're 17th. Um, and that just shows that, you know, if we really do this in one year with, I would say maybe what six out of the 11 uh, starting uh, 11 are, are playing for major clubs. Yep. Um, you know, that's, it's only going to get better from here on out. And I think that should bode well for, uh, you know, the United States men's national teams when it comes to international play. But at the same time, we just see, you know, I, I feel like soccer um, has become very, you know, a lot more popular than it was three years ago here in the, in the U.S. And um, that should, you know, it's also good for fans like us who, who want to see that type of competitive soccer played in our home countries and not only, you know, talking about the Prem. Uh, maybe one day, you know, the MLS will be on the same level as, as the Prem, but um, that'll, that'll probably be after all the all the players decide to retire and come here, come here to play. So I just, just would just keep waiting for that. I'll put this mental image in your heads. Uh, it's Thanksgiving Day, 2022. You've got the turkey uh, in the kitchen, getting ready and all that. You turn on Fox at like, I don't know, one o'clock or whenever the kickoff time is. And you watch USA, England opening a group stage match of the World Cup. And then you just watch Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney kick the shit out of the three lines on Thanksgiving Day. You know, it doesn't get any better than that. that that's something that will only happen once in a lifetime because that's the only time you'll ever see a World Cup game on thanksgiving day i was gonna say you're you're, you're asking to start a uh u.s and uh in, england uh fan war right there i know twitter <laughs> probably blowing up if this ever happened oh my but... god could you imagine no the internet would crash if the united states and england just go at it yeah because now that you have the soccer fans going at but you also have like the people the casuals that just watch the world cup once every four years like, yep, they're jingoistic yep. like 1776 undefeated in world wars like you know all that stuff it would for sure be in the history books. And uh, yeah. uh, I hope that it does come down to that. And if, if it does, uh, hope it hopefully lives up to our expectations. But uh, I guess for, until then, we'll just have our fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, the Winter World Cup is going to feel so weird, weird the entire time. I don't know. Um, uh, I'm just going to have to find a way to get used to it. But, hey, I'll have World just, Cup games near my birthday. So If you want, we can listen. You, we can take a trip down to somewhere where it's hot, you know, for, for a month or two until the World Cup's going on. And uh, maybe I, like I, 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 I think it's pretty hot in Qatar. I don't know. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't have to go to Qatar. <laughs> is, I wonder what the we I don't know I haven't looked at it but is it still supposed to be like almost 100 degrees in the no it's actually I looked into it, it's actually pretty temperate like it's warm like it's like 80 degrees or so but like it's mm. not like oh my god you're gonna die if you're outside for more than 10 minutes gotcha. so yeah you don't have to worry about that I just don't want to go to Qatar for other reasons but yeah good on FIFA right wink wink <laughs> oh a bunch of dirt bags but um we save i don't want well actually we didn't save the best for last we saved manchester united for last uh on our premier league uh yes uh, can you just just um you know freshen up uh what is a premier league table at right now chris oh okay um i feel like i'm walking into a trap here but um i'm in a bit too deep um and 
looking at it now. Hang on. I want to read. I want to read out like the numbers too. I just don't want to just say who. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. All right. Just... All right. Well, let's uh, let's see here. One second. Sorry. I got it pulled up. Do you want me to just go? No, no. I got. I got it here. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I so don't really see. In see second, this. we've got Chelsea. Uh, they're tied uh, with a plus three goal differential in the win. Uh, they're tied with Liverpool. They're just above West Ham and Everton. Uh, Brentford at six. By the way, did you guys see that Brentford game? That was Brentford. Uh, I mean, 75 years. I was crying at the end of that. First one since the 1940s. I mean, you can't write that Uh, down in seventh. We've got Watford, Brighton and Hove Albion, who apparently have not been relegated. I don't know for some reason I thought they were relegated, uh, but they they apparently stayed up. Good for them. Uh, Maybe they'll do better on the expected goals this time around. Uh, Leicester, Tottenham, Aston Villa, and then oof, look at Leeds all the way down at the bottom. But yeah, that about covers it. I don't think I missed any anything. Yeah, you there. didn't miss anything. You got it. That's everything. Listen, Man City's in thirteenth, and you know Man United is first place with the goal differential. I started the Zoom, and I can end it anytime I want. Taylor, so. Go ahead. You know what? I'll be here <laughs> next week when we're still in first place, and Bruno gets another hat trick because Pogba is an animal now. Um, I'll, I'll be waiting for it. You know, I'll actually listen. I'll keep it. I'll keep it nice and simple. I'll just save it until next week, Chris. We'll we'll build off on this. We'll we'll see where this ends up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we can we can if you if you want to go go over. There's it, nothing I need to say. It's already on paper. Well, I don't need to prove anything. What's All funny right. is like it, it feels like these United fans are coming out of the the, the rock that they've no, been no, hitting. No, we were here last year too. You where were, were you guys we were last in the year? Europa League finals. Where oh, were you the guys Europa last? League. Oh, oh the, the wow. one that oh, Villarreal won. The one that Villarreal won, that one. Listen, we made it, though, okay? Yeah. We were there. It's not like we we were just gone like Arsenal, you know? They're down in, what, 17th place right now? Look at us. Could we, be worse. Uh, Could be worse. Look at us. We won the NIT of soccer. I mean. Listen, Chris. Well, they didn't even win it. Oh, they that's right. They lost they in the final. The final. Oh, they didn't win oh. it. Too bad. Too bad. We beat the NIT champions. For the, for I'd the rather the get Cup. to the final and lose only once than beat Man City and just try to win a Champions League, like – you cheated to win that bird. You were still allowed in the competition. Unreal. Okay. All right. Um, well, this is going to be a recurring theme as the season goes out. Unfortunately, Jacob's not here to divert us with a little bit of Bundesliga talk. Um, you know, any final thoughts you guys have? I got one more thing I want to, I want to sort of vent about for a couple minutes. I know we're running thing, a little short on time. Go ahead, Vandy. My thing, and I said it to a couple of my other Friends, this is going to be one of the best Premier League seasons we've had in a while. Like, outside of Arsenal, because Arsenal, they just – I feel like they're a cursed, cursed team. I don't know why. They just going to get relegated one of these years. And Aubameyang is going to not be on their team come December. I think he's going to be transferred out. Um, and they spent too much money for him. And Lacazette is in, non-existent. But back to my point, this is going to be one of the best – title races that we've seen in a while man city even though they're the favorite it is not going to be a kick we've been seeing in their first game i mean that maybe has to do something with player chemistry but tottenham they signed some good people darty had a bad first season but he's healthy now uh deli ali had a bad season last year but he's healthy now uh and romero is a good signing good young player from argentina so they, they just have to figure out, you know, who works with what. And uh, Jafet played wonderful today. He he played great in defense, and I thought he was the man of the match. But the other teams, man, man, United, you do, we, didn't, we don't even know what Sancho looks like in, in a red shirt. Like, that's going to be disgusting to see. 
because we we know Orberon. what Orberon. We know what type of player maker he is. All right, Chris, I will say that you guys are getting Harry Kane, so that's good. You're 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 fine. We're getting Lukaku, and it's like Liverpool has their captain back, and freaking Mo Salah cannot stop scoring on opening day. And uh, Firmino looks like he'll score a few more. He'll bag a few more goals than he did last year. Mane's right where he needs to be. And Jota is probably one of the underdog, one of the comeback players. I think people should look out for this season because he really didn't get his chance to show what he's capable of. And he's playing behind uh, two dangerous uh, people in Mane and Salah. So, wow, this is going to be a, 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 a season to, to remember. I think the Europa qualifying teams, some of them are going to be like, damn, they should have made the top four. Whoever gets that fifth spot is capable is, is capable of easily being two or three, I think. And it, the gap between two, three, four, five is is going to be minimal. I mean, that first place team, they may win by they may win by three points. I don't think Man City runs away with it. They may not even win the league because it's that good. Uh, but wow, I'm just excited to see. All of these pieces come together and everybody else perform at a high level except for Arsenal because they just seem to be cursed. Yeah, I mean, I think you I think you sort of wrap that up about as well as as, as I could. Um, you know, it, it kind of it's kind of and I mean, I wasn't really around for this, but it, it's kind of reminiscent of the 90s NBA, right? You got all these different teams with like, uh, like it feels like each team has like their defining star, like, um, you know, you got Chelsea, you got City, you got Liverpool, Man U, and it all, it seems like each one of them is sort of coming into their stride at the right time, right? Um, and, you know, I think that, like you said, I think whoever wins, it's probably not going to be by much. I don't think we're going to see either City or Chelsea, even though I think they're the two best teams. I don't think we're going to see them run away with the league. Uh, and keep in mind, there are also a lot of quality teams, like, further down in uh, the table, like, you know, teams like Leicester and the like. Like, they're not going to win the league, but they're going to be – they're going to give you guys a fight. Like they might steal a game here or two. So, um, you know, that's sort of where they are, but um, that, I, I think that just about does it. I don't think you guys want to hear my New York Red Bulls ran after, uh, after all that, uh, uh, after all that Premier League talk. Um, but yeah, the Red Bulls are not doing very well, but I'll maybe save that for another time. But um, KOR, any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Nope. Just happy that, um, you know, Football is back with fans this time. Yes. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. The atmosphere in these games is completely different. Um, and finally hearing those chants and those uh, cries from the fans is um, making me go back to enjoying football and, uh, you know, proudly claiming that it is one of the most beautiful sports in the world. So I'm glad that it's back and, and I'm excited that, you know, things are up and running again. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So. That'll do it for us here on Polar FC. If you uh, like what you heard and uh, you want more, you can give us a follow at Polar FC pod over on Twitter. Uh, we're going to be back here next weekend with another episode. Uh, so uh, Chris Konis and Kerry Pallon, uh, uh, Mando Thompson joining us as well. Hopefully we'll have Jacob back next weekend. That does it for us right here. Now this is Polar FC on the Polar Media Podcast Network.